This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Taking a look at the issues surrounding the health and wellbeing of our LGBTIQ plus communities. This is Well, 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 brought to you by the team from Thorn Harbour Health on Joy and the Community Radio Network. Here on Well, 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 we delve into the issues impacting and surrounding the health and wellbeing of our gender, sex and sexually diverse communities. Coming to you from Joy, we are recording in Abbotsford this week on Wurundjeri Woiwurrung country and would like to acknowledge and pay our respects to Elders past and present and all mob out there listening to the show. I'm your host Jacinta Hennicom, joined this week by Rachel Cook. We will be hearing from the incredible poet and writer Tuesday at Singer. And Rachel, can you tell us a bit about Tuesday's connection to an upcoming event that you have? Uh, absolutely. Tuesday is part of the incredible lineup we have for this year's Midsummer event. We run this event every year. It's called Wise Words, a night of intergenerational storytelling. It's basically um, a bunch of LGBTIQ plus women, non-binary inclusive, who are uh, really acclaimed writers, activists, performers. And our lineup this year is absolutely stellar. We have Sophie Cunningham, who is the doyen of Australian literary world, uh, author of nine books and The Brilliant Devastating Fever. We have C.S. Picat, who is the internationally acclaimed author of young adult comic book series Fence. Um, anyone who's into fantasy and that genre will be really aware of C.S. Picat. Incredible that we have them. Lana York, who is an Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander uh, and also French political creative who also happens to have um, got the um, Next Wave Fellowship at the Wheeler Centre for 2024. So another incredible young writer who will be telling their stories at Wise Words. Julie Peters, who is an icon in trans and gender diverse worlds and um, should be an icon in all worlds, really. Julie Peters, what a trailblazer. Uh, it is an absolute privilege to be actually hearing Julie's story, which we will be next week. And um, our MC is the incredible Aurelia St. Clair, who is a um, comedian, influencer, podcaster, uh, so it's a great lineup, and Tuesday, who is a wonderful poet and and writer, and will be joining us um, as part of the lineup next Thursday as well. You're getting well, well, well with the team from Thorn Harbour Health, and we are joined by the incredible poet and spoken word artist Tuesday at Singer on Well, Well, Well. I just want to start off, I guess, starting at the beginning. How did writing actually start for you? Oh, that's. That's such a fun question because I think it started for me the same way that it starts for most people, which is being an angsty teen um, (laughs) with a lot to say um, and not a lot of money for more expensive hobbies. (laughs) And how did you start out writing? Um, I... It was more of an act of defiance because going back to that angsty teen with a very... um, a big dedication to my emo phase. Um, I got bad feedback <laughs> on something where um, my high school teacher at the time didn't believe that what I'd written was my own work. Um, and I, 
I think that I carried forward out of spite, really, which um, I think isn't isn't um, I think the the soft introduction that that sounds nice to hear, but um, I think spite is, has has worth and is important. Yeah, I was just thinking because you could either take that you know either way, couldn't you? It was like as a compliment, thinking you know it's 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 that good but also that this teacher is thinking that you weren't capable of that so you can see how that could make you incredibly frustrated and angry and I guess spite and anger can be great motivators can't they yeah yeah absolutely I think I think they get framed as ugly ugly emotions um but I think I think there's a power in embracing that and what about with poetry you know how how did was it was it poetry that's was the way you first started was that the one that you know, your first love yeah absolutely um I love working with metaphor because you can say anything really and describe it in the most extreme terms because sometimes straightforward language doesn't have the capacity to communicate things in that way I find and in terms of poetry, who are you? Some of you know poets that you or spoken word artists that you really look to. Oh my gosh! Ah, oh, I've gone blank. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, right I just threw that one in. Yeah, um, I'd actually, I'd have to think about that. I've <laughs> really gone blank. Um, Was it? Were they some? You know, were there poets that you looked at as that angsty teen that? inspired you like was that something that you looked at and were like yeah I want to do that it was more music yeah um so a lot of emo bands and the more um the more abstract and not in the mainstream the better because um I think you just want to be I guess a little edgy when, when you're younger um but I think I didn't really have as much access to learning about poetry through reading poetry that wasn't really accessible to me at that time period and how I grew up and what my surroundings were like uh yeah actually can we just talk about that because I, I, I read something um that you said who you were really inspired by was your grandmother and other family members stories so what was going on then? Like, you know, how, how was that storytelling part of your family? Yeah, um, it, it was a way of communicating. Um, it, it was a way of conveying meaning, I think especially because my, my grandmother didn't speak English and I couldn't speak Ndivele all that well. So stories with people who could sort of translate and me with my broken Debele trying to communicate back and forth um, was this really deep, meaningful way of connecting for me, not just with my family, but also with, with culture and, and place and, um, and legacy in a way. So... Did you ever share your writing with 
your family? Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I have sent my mum very many copies of um, Unlimited Futures, which um, is an anthology um, with uh, uh, Afro-Black and Indigenous writers. And my my mum, I think, is simultaneously horrified and very, very proud. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah it's, it, it has a, it features a queer couple quite prominently and um, I think um, my mum has always been quite nervous for me in that regard, so. Can I just ask about that anthology? Um, um, can you just tell us a little bit of, of what it is and how you came to be involved in it? Yeah, um, the editors are uh, Rafif, uh Ismail and, and Ellen Van Nieven um, had sort of put out a call out and I I sent work in and that was it. But I think what's more interesting is what was happening around that um, for me at the time, which was smack dab in the middle of lockdown. And trying to write something that is about nature and the outside and space and movement really when I was essentially sort of in a very small Mm. box and isolated and not all that connected was very very difficult um but also freeing mentally so yeah was that was that your work the river yeah it was so how did you then like how did you transport yourself like to those places i imagine that would have been actually quite cathartic to 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 be thinking about that work to be to be forcing yourself to go there in this sort of really beautiful setting and nature in you know given the circumstances that you were in yeah it, it was it was cathartic but also a bit horrifying because the idea for it came from a nightmare that I had. Right. Um, And it really stuck with me because I I love horror and I love body horror and telling stories through that, um, uh, through that medium. (laughs) So it was... It spoke to, I think, the horror that I felt being stuck inside, but being able to write that out and move through it. Um, yeah, that that was that was cathartic. <laughs> yeah. And, and what about the difference between writing these things, you know, quite isolated in lockdown versus, you know, getting up in front of an audience and sharing your work? Is there quite a contrast between those things or have you found like vulnerability in it or empowerment? Yeah, um, I almost feel like when it, when it comes to that written piece of work and me performing in front of people, that's almost two different people in entirely different styles. Um, there's a lot of vulnerability in both, I think, because once it's on the page, it's 
it's there. I can't edit it as I'm reading it out loud, which is something that I like about performance. Um, but yeah, it, it, it is really vulnerable. You don't know how people are going to respond. Um, but it's, I mean, I love the attention also. It's like, you know, you, you can't, you can't leave. You're, you're stuck here. We, we are in this together. <laughs> Whatever happens, like, we're getting through this together. So talking about that, can we talk about some of the issues that you actually address in your writing? Yeah. Uh, so I talk a lot about, I, I, I speak primarily about myself um, and I... I talk about what it means to navigate the world as a queer, non-binary, um, Afro-Black person um, who is disabled, um, and it's a it's a horror movie in a way um, that all these things are happening that we're all experiencing, and simultaneously you have to carry on and be quote unquote normal as if it's not happening. And I find the incongruence really jarring and I like to sit in that sort of, sit in that incongruence a little. Um, But I think there's also, um, I I do explore themes of community a lot. which is also really meaningful because when I'm performing, I'm creating community with the people who are there too, hopefully. Yeah, and how do people respond to your work? Never had bad feedback. I think people are mostly, um, I think we mostly have fun. I see it as just, um, I'm here to gossip <laughs> a little. <laughs> um, but yeah i think sometimes people are shocked um by um by what i say because i i do use body horror and quite visceral imagery sometimes um but i think mainly it's just fun (laughs) can you actually um just expand on what you're talking about when you say body horror yeah um so I have, I have one poem that I won't go into because that's very R18, but that talks about connection and community. And I describe very viscerally sort of shoving my hand through my own stomach and rifling through my own viscera so I can grab my own spine. Um, so this idea of bodies moving in ways that they shouldn't or interacting with the self more intimately than you should. Um, And I think also um, because, because I am disabled and I am sometimes visibly disabled because I use a cane sometimes, speaking the the chronic pain without sort of lowering it down and making it palatable for people to hear um, is freeing. So, Yeah, it's incredible to, to hear you describe it in that way and I'm sure 
that people maybe do kind of get transported to that imagining and that kind of gory imagining, which is very cool, I think. Uh, we're here on Well, Well, Well. We'll be back in just a moment to continue talking with Tuesday at Singer. Sexual health, mental health, and the overall well-being of our LGBTIQ communities. You're listening to Well, Well, Well. And we're back speaking with Tuesday at Singer, who is a poet and spoken word artist who will be appearing at Wise Words, a night of intergenerational storytelling, coming up next week at the Abbotsford Convent. Tuesday, we were just talking about... Um, how it is that, you know, well, body horror and what that is in terms of you writing about and speaking about um, being a person with a disability. Can you actually talk a little bit more about how you address disability in your work? I think it's something that we don't get exposed to a lot in creative works and hopefully that's something – I know it is changing and hopefully we'll see more and more of that. But can you tell us how – you know, what's the process with it with you – and, um, you know, how do you actually really navigate it through the work that you do? Yeah, um, so so the process um, I think works the same for, for other things that I, that I write about is I notice the microaggressions that are happening around me and my brain sorts them into clusters or a specific genre and I type that out on my phone um, for later. Um, and sometimes it's just me speaking, speaking what I wish I could have said safely in that moment, or just the going back to sort of like that, that ugly kind of putrid anger, that rage. Um, and and putting putting it into words because otherwise it's just knocking around inside me, and I know a lot of other people experience that too. Um, but sometimes it's also just um, <laughs> I I have one poem that's a love letter to my cane and how um, it feels sort of sneaky to not use it in the way that people think I should in a way that shows suffering and and pain and why are you wearing heels and um you shouldn't dance with that you should be mm. sad yeah <laughs> I'm like mm. or <laughs> or yeah. I could be not that <laughs> because the horror isn't the horror isn't us the horror is the experience and how we're treated I was just thinking um you know I have you know listened to some of your work and I um had really sort of as you were saying you've experienced that through it's start in your process it's your emotional reaction to say a microaggression and I just know that for my own I had really visceral emotional responses to your work it's 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 so fantastic and you succinctly put like you you were really channeling that through and the audience really gets to to experience it so like how in terms of like you know making a piece of work like that where you're starting from say you know as you say a bunch of a cluster of experiences getting it to the point where you are now reading it to an audience what's then what you know what's that process like for you then you know I mean like you know how 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 is that um that journey from those first few steps to 
end point, I guess. Yeah, um, I, I think about the audience a lot. I'm always thinking about the audience, actually, when I'm writing. And it's not, I'm, I'm not ever thinking about taking care of the audience's feelings because I, I, I don't want to, I don't want the audience to hear my words. I am trying to transfer the essence of what I was feeling at the time or how I am feeling in that moment. So my writing process is also trying to share an emotion that can't can't be easily transferred. <laughs> well, can I just say you do it really well? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> do you find that, um, I guess, that transfer and um, perhaps that, that emotional reaction that people have, do you find that there's, I guess, different reactions or do you expect different reactions depending on who the audience is and, and how people connect with those experiences, like if they share the same lived experiences as you and someone who has those microaggressions directed at them all the time versus other people who perhaps giving those microaggressions and not realizing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I get a lot of that. That was so extreme Tuesday. That was so extreme. And I'm like, yeah, that was, that was so chill. Yeah. I could go harder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but I think there's something very interesting about um, poetry that's because everyone who's listening to it, and I am aware of that um, as well, wants to feel like they get it. So I think people keep a lot of the criticism to themselves. Um if if they find that they might be the people doing those things it's the it's the thing of wanting to feel um which i don't i don't agree with i don't love that but wanting to feel cultured because everyone's in the room and we're all feeling cultured together and that's also something i don't like and that's why i swear so much and talk about (laughs) gross things so much because Mm. i'm like no no (laughs) yeah um i think now we should have an example of some of your work and so would you mind reading a piece for us yes i i can absolutely read a piece (laughs) this is the second half of um, my poem titled un-african at night i stare into the tapestry of my being and find that demons i did not invite in had unraveled nearly every thread of my history and cursed the empty spaces. An unexercised dispossession. Colonial laws infiltrate the bedrock of my hometown. Those cursed archives causing people, my people, people who are supposed to love me, to hope my haunted body burns when my feet touch the soil. I attract phantoms. I am limbs and muscle and words and memory driven forward by spirit and spirits that are not my own, by the wraiths and the wrath of past, present and future souls for weeping memories and weeping history and weeping wounds, 
my own and yours and all those who came before, for those who have carried me, for those who still carry me. I will not wander in limbo hoping for an open window. I want to come home through the front door. How do you exercise a dispossession? Thank you so much. Um, that was called cool. An African. That was the second part of a work by Tuesday Atzinger, who has been our guest on Well Well today. Thank you so much for joining us. We cannot wait to see you next week perform at Wise Words, a night of intergenerational storytelling, which is taking place at the Abbotsford Convent on Thursday, the 8th of February at 6.30 p.m. A bunch uh, with, with an amazing lineup of LGBTIQ. Women, uh, non-binary inclusive, writers, activists, performers uh, performing their work from 6.30 till 8 o'clock at the Abbotsford Convent. It's a free event. Please register via Mids Midsummer web website. Um, if you don't come along, you're going to really miss out on seeing some extraordinary, extraordinary storytelling. Again, thank you so much. Absolutely fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Well, 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 supported by Thorn Harbour Health on Joy and the Community Radio Network. For more LGBTIQ plus health and wellbeing and much more, check out Thorn Harbour on social media at Thorn Harbour or via the website thornharbour.org. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.